all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Take heart because today's topic is the heart, your heart, and how to keep it beating strongly. Our guest is Dr. Myrna Alexander-Nickens, cardiologist at UMMC. We invite your questions, your comments at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or you can send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to start the show right after news from NPR on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Barbara Klein. The meeting between President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin in Hamburg, Germany, was scheduled to last 30 minutes. Well, they've now been at it for more than an hour. As NPR's Tamara Keith reports, this is their first face-to-face meeting since Trump was elected. The meeting is small. Just the two presidents, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, and two translators. Trump spoke briefly at the top of the meeting. We look forward to a lot of very positive things happening for Russia, for the United States, and for everybody concerned. And it's an honor to be with you. Putin, speaking through an interpreter, said, quote, I'm delighted to be able to meet you personally, Mr. President, and hope, as you have said, our meeting will yield positive results. As reporters were ushered out, they shouted questions about whether Trump would bring up Russian meddling in the presidential election. President Trump did not respond. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he's planning to produce a new health care bill in about a week. He also says if that doesn't work, Congress has to take action to shore up the private health insurance market under Obamacare. Meanwhile, opponents of the current GOP proposal are staging sit-ins around the country. Frankie Barnhill of Boise State Public Radio reports a group of women staged a somewhat different protest yesterday. Dozens of moms and their kids crammed into Idaho Senator Mike Crapo's office. As a goodwill gesture, they brought milk and cookies. But the senator was not in his Boise office, so the moms spoke instead to his staff. Crapo supports a repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Melanie Falwell was there. She says it has improved the lives of Idaho families. We're not here for party reasons. We're not here for really political reasons. We're here for health care for our children and our elderly parents and ourselves. And we're scared. According to the Urban Institute, up to 30,000 Idaho children would lose insurance under the bill. For NPR News, I'm Frankie Barnhill in Boise. 
The Trump administration is appointing Dr. Brenda Fitzgerald to be the new director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. She's an obstetrician, gynecologist, and a Republican who ran unsuccessfully for Congress. She's headed Georgia's public health department for the past six years. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is expanding its energy delivery business throughout Texas, announcing today it's buying energy future holdings for $9 billion cash. The deal will result in the acquisition of EFH's parent company, Encore, one of the country's largest power transmission networks. On Wall Street at this hour, the Dow is up 89 points. The S&P is up 14. This is NPR. A federal judge has rejected Hawaii's effort to loosen restrictions in President Trump's temporary ban on travelers from six mostly Muslim countries. Hawaii's attorney general wanted to expand the government's exceptions for people who have credible relationships with a person or entity in the U.S. to include grandparents and aunts and uncles. The judge says the state should go directly to the Supreme Court for clarification. The country's largest outdoor recreation trade show is moving from Utah to Colorado. Grace Hood of Colorado Public Radio reports Utah's approach to the control and protection of public lands has prompted the industry group to seek a change of scenery. The outdoor retailer trade show decided to leave Utah after Governor Gary Herbert signed a resolution calling on federal officials to rescind monument status for Bears Ears National Monument. Trade show director Marissa Nicholson says it will move to the Mile High City in January of next year. We chose Denver because of Colorado's longtime commitment to protecting and nurturing public lands. The outdoor recreation industry trade shows, which happen twice a year, attracted an estimated $45 million in annual direct spending to Utah. For NPR News, I'm Grace Hood in Denver, Colorado. In Pamplona, Spain, three men are injured after being gored during today's opening of the traditional running of the bulls. Two Americans are among them. Hospital officials say their injuries are not considered serious. I'm Barbara Klein, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the estate of Joan Crock, whose bequest serves as an enduring investment in the future of public radio, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation at rwjf.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for listening this morning to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Owens. She's a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. We're talking about your heart today. Take heart about your heart and how to keep it healthy, how to keep it beating good and strong. And our special guest, why are you laughing? Good and strong. Take heart. Take heart. It's all about your heart. There's lots of heart we songs, heart, so I hope we that... We uh, heart our listeners. There's a bunch of people in the control room, so please find some heart songs for our breaks. 
<laughs> All right. Our special guest today, and we thank her for coming, is Dr. Myrna Alexander-Nickens. She is a cardiologist at UMMC. She's been our guest several times in the past, and we invited her back because she's just wonderful and she knows her stuff, and we're glad to have you the here. The love doctor. Oh, I the love coming over here with you, Karen. Well, thank you. And, we of love, course, Dr. Owens. We love Michelle. having you. We she's, love having she's you, She's over Dr. here doing Dickens. a selfie. You're not even on mic. What are you doing over there? I'm, I'm totally on mic. I just, I'm trying to make sure that we are also keeping our social media presence alive. So you guys, please make sure that you, like, um, can go to the website or you can follow us on Facebook. Um, we also... Um, Subscribe on, to the podcast. Indeed. And we're also, we're also on Twitter. So, you know, you can tweet in your questions or your comments. But, yeah, we're trying to... We are branching out and we are all encompassing and we are not just killing it on the radio, but we are also taking social media by storm. What's the Twitter address? Twitter address, Dr. Michelle Owens. Yeah, at Dr. Michelle Owens. Yeah. Okay. Easy Mm -hmm. enough. So you can tweet us. Tweet, tweet. Not to be confused with the Dominican Republic. Dr. Alexander Nickens, (laughs) even though you've been here several times, please tell us about yourself, a little about your background. Okay, I've been at UMC, UMMC for uh, five and a half years. I uh, practiced interventional cardiology for about 16 years in the private sector. And I'm uh, at the university now um, as a clinical cardiologist, mainly focused on women's health, but I see men as well. I can't just see all women. So I, I like seeing the a total population of people. Yeah, And men and women both have hearts. And so they both suffer from cardiovascular disease. That's why you're a doctor. (laughs) Indeed. See there, it took me to state the obvious. But no, it's, and you know, it's funny because when we talk about OBGYN, you know, most of the time when a man asks me what I do for a living and I say I'm an OBGYN, they're like, oh, I don't need your services. And I'm like, well, at one point in time, you required my services because you know we were the ones exactly came in the world yeah so it's like (laughs) but the good thing about this show even though we like to focus on issues and and the way that they um health issues um affect women and things that may be specific to women um we also get a chance to talk about you know general topics like this that really can affect men and women. So um, there's definitely not exclusivity here um, by any stretch of the imagination. However, I think that there are some things that when we think about health issues related to women, um, now, thankful, thankfully, with the uh, Go Red uh, for Women campaign, I think there's more awareness about heart disease and the impact that heart disease has on women and how it's the ne- is the number one killer of women. Um, but that's not something that people have always known. And I think that that message, like we can't get message fatigue. We have to continue to promote that and and to try to help educate women so that they understand that the symptoms that they may experience may be different from the ones that are experienced by men. They may be perceived in different ways. Um, and really, whether you're male or female, um, cardiovascular health is important. And um, it's important for people to know their risks. Dr. Um, Alexander Nickens, is is death from heart disease always a heart attack? Oh, no, no. It's not all, always a heart attack. So heart attack is the layman's term for a blockage in the blood vessel caused by usually a blood vessel that may have ruptured a plaque, and that blood vessel um, closes off completely. 
Uh, that's the layman's term for myocardial infarction. That's our term that we use. Um, but know that the heart disease is a is an umbrella. So there's a lot under that under that umbrella. There's uh, the most common cause, of course, is coronary heart disease, where you have blockages within the blood vessels that serve blood to the heart. So if those um, blood vessels get any plaque in those, then you may have a chance for the, them to rupture within the blood vessel and have some um, closed off block uh, arteries. Um, but there are other um, problems as well, like hypertensive heart disease. Hypertensive heart disease is common in this Bible Belt region because we have uncontrolled hypertension. And so it it can affect the heart, but you can also have other illnesses like aortic dissections, aortic aneurysms. Um, there's also problems with the heart valves that can occur uh, and heart failure. That's uh, another um, totally different uh, uh, but sort of the end stage problem with heart diseases is, is heart failure. But you can live with heart failure, and you, it can improve as well. But uh, we're going to go to the phone. We already have our first caller, Jimmy, calling in from Greenville. Hi, Jimmy. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. What's your question? Uh, it's concerning uh, heart disease. Uh, and bypass. Okay. But recently I've noticed swelling in my lower We're having trouble hearing you, Jimmy. Um, you have, you've noticed swelling where? In his lower extremity. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. We can hear you a little bit better now. Okay. So um, I've been um, placed on basic 20 milligrams. Um, but uh, my concern is, just, and I know that that theme of but my concern is what's causing. Right. So you have good reasons to um, be concerned. Uh, there can be several causes. Uh, one of the main causes you want to make sure, because you do have uh, coronary artery disease, you want to make sure that one of those um, grafts have not gotten any blockages within those vessels because uh, bypass surgery is a treatment. It is not a cure for um, coronary disease. It is a treatment. And so once you've had once you have that bypass surgery, you still need to um go about a lifestyle that would be healthy so that you would not have any blockages within those blood vessels. Now, so you are concerned with heart failure. Sometimes heart failure can give you swelling in your legs. If you are if you are a truck driver or doing sedentary work, it may be your diet may be too high in salt in uh, sodium. Um, but there are other other problems as well. If you're a diabetic, you need to consider your kidneys. If you have any liver disease, so there's a a, a gamut of problems that can arise from just leg swelling. So I, I think you just need to follow back up with your primary care physician or your cardiologist to really find out what's going on. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you for welcome. calling, Jimmy. Appreciate that. So Jimmy was talking about being um, on Lasix, um, uh-huh. which is that's like one of the brand names for furosemide, or um, which is a, a diuretic, right. um, or what we call a fluid pill. 
water pill. So a lot of times when people get swelling in their legs, they are prescribed a medication to kind of help offload that fluid. So when you hear diuretic or you hear Lasix, that's one of the different um, medications that when people think of fluid pills or water pills, that's kind of one of the one of the more common fluid pills. Yeah, that one of our go to yeah go to medicine. Let me give the phone number out if you have a question or a comment. One eight seven seven MPB ring. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. You mentioned the bypass as being a treatment. Right. What about having stents? Can you talk about what that means and you know what it is and how it compares to a bypass? So we usually um, use bypass bypasses in patients that have severe um, several vessel uh, blockages, uh, and if there nowadays if there is a blockage within the main vessels, uh, we also use bypass. But we're uh, and we've been doing this for for the last several decades doing more stenting, but um, we're doing less stenting now because we have cholesterol medicines that have, uh, that have has helped us uh, decrease the occurrence of coronary artery disease and death. So actually, our mortality rates have gone down within the last several years, and part of it is because of medical treatment like cholesterol medicines uh, that has helped us. Uh, but yeah, we are stenting vessels. The stents are usually... Pre- um, Reserved for patients that may have one or two vessel blockages. So if you have a, a area that's in one vessel and another vessel, uh, or they cannot have surgery for some reason, they have COPD or some other um, contraindication for having bypass surgery, then we do use the stents as well. Now, just remind you, also the stents are not a cure. It's a treatment, but it's a good treatment. It definitely helps patients decrease their um, onset of angina that they're uh, experiencing chest discomfort. We call it angina. Uh, it, the we know it is angina. Right, right. <laughs> angina, angina. It depends upon what part of the country if you're, you're in from. In the southeast, it's angina. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> We need to take our break. <laughs> Again, the number to call if you want to pronounce it angina or angina. <laughs> Just kidding. One eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. And we're doing heart songs, of course, for our break. We'll be right back on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. 
can make a difference in your community by simply donating a vehicle. It's a quick and easy way to take care of that unwanted vehicle that is just sitting around. Best of all, we'll handle the entire process from picking up the vehicle to sending you the tax paperwork. Just call 877-MPB-4CAR or go online to mpbonline.org slash support. Make the difference and donate your vehicle today. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-BRING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Hungry Heart, Bruce Springsteen. He's my homeboy, you know, from New Jersey, just oh. like me. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women. We're talking about the heart, which is why you're going to hear heart songs all morning long or all hour long, I should say. Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens is our guest. She's a cardiologist at UMMC. Of course, Dr. Michelle Owens is here, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Keeping your heart healthy is our topic, and we're going straight to the phone. Carolyn's calling in from Canton. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Do you have a question? Thank you. Yes, thank you for your program. Yes, my father had congestive heart failure, and he passed away in in 94. Uh, during that, uh, prior to his passing, that is, his cardiologist implanted, um, I'm not sure what the name of it is, in his arm, uh, because he, uh, about every four months, the the fluid would, um, you know, uh, be around his heart. And so he'd have to go and get diaries, and then uh, he would... Um, he was on ferrosamide, of course, and um, and then after the fluid would leave his body so rapidly, then his kidneys, uh, he would have to go to the, the nephrologist. And so this, I guess, occurred for maybe about three or four years before he passed away. But I was curious about that implant that was in his arm and what that's called. And secondly, uh, as his daughter, I, uh, I have problems with... Um, circulation, circulatory problems in my leg and feet. And I wanted to know if that's sort of a precursor to congestive heart failure. So, um, but did your father have diabetes or any other problems? And was he on the no. kidney? He, he did not. Now, that was in the 90s. I'm not sure what um, was inserted into his arm unless they put a catheter there so that he could receive some medications, some IV medications that we used to use quite often to try to unload the heart um, so that he could breathe better and we could get rid of some of the fluid better. Now, that may have been a, just a catheter that we put in the arm. Uh, I'm not sure what that was. Um, okay. The home health care pers- person used to serve Okay, it sounds like he just had a catheter uh, placed in the arm so that they could give him some medication through there. Is is mm-hmm. is what I think that it, would be. Well, I'm no, I'm I'm familiar with catheters, but it, that this was uh, 
something that, um, and I, I didn't live in the same city as he did, mm-hmm. and he lived three hours away from the hospital. So, um, so I, as I understand it, to keep him from having to travel that far, they inserted that into his arm, and the home health care professional would come by periodically and, um, and service it. Right. No, I'm not sure what that was, but if we can um, ch- kind of jump to your problem that you, you're you having now, you're having some problems with your legs? Oh, yeah, circulatory oh. problem. I have uh, varicosity, in fact, in the same leg that he did right below the knee, and the older I get, uh, you know, the larger uh, it gets and the, the more pronounced the pain. So I was wondering if that kind of problem uh, is sort of a precursor. Now, I do not, he did have hypertension. I don't. Okay. Uh, so that gives. I just like to try preventive maintenance. Ah, uh, yes. Uh huh. So that gives us a, a time that we can talk about risk factors for congestive heart failure. And I don't know if you have them or not, but um, some of the risk factors for having congestive heart failure are the same as uh, the risk factors for having coronary artery disease. So m- one of the main risk factors is hypertension, of course, diabetes. If you smoke, a lot of times we forget no. about the smokers, but the uh, cigarette smoking is one of the risk factors. And women in particular, if they've had hypertension during pregnancy, uh, or they've had preeclampsia during pregnancy, uh, 20 years later, their risk for having heart disease is higher, and they have hypertension later on. So um, that is a risk factor uh, as well. Having um, varicosities is not really a risk factor for uh, atherosclerosis. Um, most of the time, the varicosities that you have in your legs are because there ha- there are some incompetent valves within your blood vessels. Now, that can be hereditary or it could come from people standing too long or, or that. Um, but uh, the other risk factor is high cholesterol, hyperlipidemia. If you have a high cholesterol level, that increases your risk for having uh, coronary artery disease. Uh, and if you have family history, so your family history gives you an increased risk for having heart disease. If your dad was uh, less than 55 years old when he uh, presented, how old was he when he passed? Uh, oh, he was 83, but the first time he was hospitalized, he was in his 70s. He just sort of had an aversion to going to the doctor. So we don't know how early okay. he actually had the disease, yeah. So if you focus and control those risk factors that we just talked about, uh, really, really get those under control, or if you don't have any of those risk factors, your risk will be lower, not zero, but it would be a lot lower than the average population. Thank you so much for your phone call, Carolyn. We need to move on, but we thank you so much for your call. Uh, I I wanted to ask, congestive heart failure Mm -hmm. and end-stage heart failure, does that mean congestive heart failure has, has le- I had a friend right. who had, he was in the hospital for a long time. He had congestive heart failure mm-hmm. and they finally sent him home. There wasn't anything to be done. And he ended up dying several weeks later. So no, there's a different stages of congestive heart failure. And so in stage heart failure, we call it the, the stage D failure where you can't do very much, but there's a, a, a to D stages of congestive heart failure. And, 
some of the symptoms can be reversed. So say, for instance, uh, you develop congestive heart failure from the broken heart syndrome or, or uh, Takasubus, is where it, and it's seen a lot in women. You better uh, go back to the broken heart syndrome. Okay, we'll keep with the broken heart syndrome. Broken heart syndrome and Takasubus. You need to define both of those, please. <laughs> okay, okay. It, you know what? It's becoming, it, when I was in medical school, we didn't even hear of it. Then later on, it became more prevalent in the 80s and the 90s. But I, we see it all the time now. But it's usually uh, a stress-related, um, some something that, you know, uh, a fire breaks out. And, and a woman sees a fire and, and starts uh, getting very uptight about it or she's preparing for a wedding or some something that causes a lot of stress in her life. Uh, you, we see men, but not as often as we see this happen in women. But the patient comes in with heart failure usually or some chest discomfort, but the actual heart muscle has gotten large. The front of the heart has gotten enlarged and dilated, and it's not working that well. From one event? Yeah. It can happen with one event. But mm-hmm. it's considered temporary, right? Right, it's, right. It's temporary. It's Most mm-hmm. of the time it's temporary. So once the, But those people have to um, take medications as well. So once they've taken the medication, within six months, their hearts are back to normal most of the time. And you said A through D is a scale? So, well, yeah, so A is if you have risk factors for having congestive heart failure. So if you have hypertension, but you don't have any of the symptoms, uh, you have a family history, but you don't have any symptoms, uh, that would be class A. Uh, class B is if you have coronary artery disease, but your heart has not failed. Um, so those people are at risk for the heart failing. Class C is if you have symptoms and you have heart failure. And the D is the the patient that comes comes and go like your friend. They've been treated. Um, like I said, there's no cure for it. Well, there is a cure. There's heart transplantation, but there's a long line of people waiting for a heart transplantation. But I want to give the phone number out before we talk to Jerry. So Jerry, hang on the line. The number to call if you have a question or a comment, 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email if you'd prefer to women at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Jerry, calling from Memphis. Morning. Good morning. Heart failure with preserved ejection fraction? Oh, yeah. That is a... That has been a problem uh, for years, but we've named it now uh, for the past several decades. Uh, and but we, th- these are people usually with hypertension. So when he says preserved ejection fracture, he knows a lot about the heart already. Um, but it, it, the patients that have usually the ejection fraction is about fifty-five to sixty. So the amount of blood that comes to the heart that's ejected out, it ejects out about fifty-five to sixty percent. Uh, in the patients that he's talking about, the preserved ejection fraction, their ejection fraction may be 70 or 80%. So there may be a thick heart 
And so it doesn't relax well. So the heart has got to contract and relax, contract and relax. So not relaxing uh, can give you heart failure symptoms as well. So the leg swelling, the shortness of breath, the walking up the stairs, and you can't do that very much anymore. Uh, those are symptoms of, of heart failure in, in a preserved ejection fraction. Um, but usually those patients have hypertension or they can have other illnesses such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathies. Uh, that is a form of um, diastolic or preserved ejection fraction uh, heart failure as well. well. Did that answer your question, Jerry? Well, actually, I, I just wanted to say that, that I, three years, this first diagnosed in summer of 2014, and I went into acute failure with hypercapnic respiratory failure. Mm. And I went into respiratory failure four times over the course of several months. But... Uh, I changed to a whole food, plant-based diet. Okay. I lost 105 pounds. Wow, congratulations. Stopped smoking smoking three years ago tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Went from not being able to walk across the room, literally, to walking on a treadmill at a six and a half degree incline at three miles an hour. That's wow. Yeah, so there's a whole lot to be said for diet and risk factors. I mean, because I was pretty much told, hey, you can take some diuretics, go home. There's not a whole lot we can do for this type of for for this type of heart failure. There's really no medical treatment versus exercise and diet in keeping somebody diuresed. Well, we consider exercise and diet medical treatment. Well, yeah. Okay. We just, yeah, we, we claim those, too. We, we, well, Even though we didn't invent them, we claim them. <laughs> yeah. That's well, great, congratulations, Jerry. and thank you for calling that about that. Awesome. Because that shows that it will work if you just yeah. do it. And happy anniversary for tomorrow yeah, in advance. Think, That's, exactly. The, what you have accomplished is no small feat. I mean, each and everything that you outlined took a lot of dedication and a lot of discipline. And fortunately, you are reaping the benefits by having a healthier life. So congratulations to you for that. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Take care. Have a nice day. You too. Okay, so I I love that. That was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. to hear somebody who basically has a testimonial that those things that we always hammer in all the time, diet, exercise, everybody rolls their eyes when we say, well, you know, diet, exercise, and they're like, okay, yeah, but what else? Can I get the pill? (laughs) And for him to say, you know, look, no, there's not not just the pill. Like, you can make some lifestyle modifications. This is not something that is totally outside of your control. There are things that you can do to kind of, grab that wheel and kind of pull things back on the road to a healthier life. And I think that that's fantastic. Another thing that people sometimes forget, and I'm glad that you said it, the heart has to contract and relax. It's a muscle. So you you can't do either one of those things too long. It's got to do both. So just like if you were lifting weights, you can't lift weights all day. You got to have that time to relax. And the heart just does it in very short increments. But it is a great big muscle. 
Um, and so like when you think about it, it's just muscle physiology at a in a very important muscle. We're going to leave that thought. The heart <laughs> is a big muscle and invite your phone calls. We're going to take a break, but let me get the number out. one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Groove is in the heart. Send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Enjoy these heart songs and we'll be right back. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. To Southern Remedy for Women. We're talking about your heart today. Heart Problems syndrome. of the hearts. Broken heart Broken syndrome. Broken heart syndrome. What's that other word you said? Takasubu. Yeah, takasubu. Let's hope you don't have takasubu. <laughs> I'm Karen Brown. Or you're Brown. an owner of a lonely heart. Don't be an owner oh. of a lonely heart or a broken heart. Or a takasubu. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. I like saying that. I'm going to write it down, and it's going to be my Say word of the day. Fast. Our fast. special guest is Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens, a cardiologist at UMMC. And again, we're talking about the heart. Give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I think this is a good time to talk about symptoms okay. of a heart attack and how they may be different different between a man and a woman. And I want to ask first. You always hear, if you suspect it could be that, go to the hospital. And I don't think people go to the hospital because they think it's heartburn. So so when should you really go to the hospital? <laughs> if you when suspect, do you really go? When do you really go? As opposed to that, not really that, going. Well, that's a hard one because uh, only you know what's different for you. Um, so I get calls all the time regarding um, the type of discomfort. Uh, there's a difference between 
uh, angina, angina, pain that's coming from the heart. Uh, usually that discomfort, and let, let me just say this, um, men and women, the most common symptom is still chest discomfort. Not chest pain, but chest discomfort. So when I say chest discomfort, it could be a fullness in the chest, a heaviness in the chest, um, but that pain may go up the neck. Pressure to hear pressure that elephant is, sits on your chest. Right, or, right. Yeah, so elephant sitting on your chest. But now if you ask them, do you have chest pain, we won't get uh, as much information from that as if you say discomfort. So because even p- patients that come in and have had a heart, and women tend to come late too. They come after, hours yes. later after a heart attack yes. or they come um, days sometimes after a heart attack. Because but they, does the pain pass or if you've had a heart attack uh-huh. a couple of days ago, is it going to continue to be painful or does the pain go away when the, the pain, attack ends? Okay, so the pain from a heart attack may last for hours, okay? So say, for instance, if I had a blood pressure cuff and I put it on your arm, that cuff will, that your arm will start getting heavy and start paining you because we cut off the blood supply to your arm. Well, so the same thing with the heart. It'll, they'll still have some discomfort. So it may go on for hours and even to the next day. Um, and after a while, when that muscle is dead, then you won't feel, they won't feel any pain. Yeah. So when yeah. it's, th- so sometimes the absence of pain is actually a more ominous sign in certain instances. Now, usually there are some things like, say, for example, we talk about breast cancer and how, you know, initially we always say, well, usually if it's something that's tender to the touch, then that's more reassuring and is less likely to be cancer, although not always, but, you know, that can be reassuring. But in this case, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the problems. And when you said, when you started talking about this, I vividly remember within the past two months sitting in a room with a woman who was in her middle age, which is now the new 20. Um, <laughs> and she started having, she sat up and we noticed and said, what's going on? And she said, oh my gosh, I, I, I just, I feel really uncomfortable in my chest. At which point I was like, so where's baby aspirin? And we need to call somebody. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, just wait a minute and let me see if it goes away. And, you know, it was like chest pain and some radiation to her left arm and I was terribly disturbed by that and the concept of well let's just see if it goes away and I think that that's what people typically do they're like oh my gosh this is very uncomfortable this is horrible and what I would like for people in our listening audience to take don't let your fear keep you from seeking treatment because some people are afraid that something might be happening and they want to wait until it gets worse. And maybe by the time that it gets worse, it could be way later or too late for you. So don't let your, or I don't want to go and then it not be anything. When it comes, and be embarrassed that you know they're yes. worried about mm-hmm. being embarrassed. Oh, I just I I, I don't want to complain and it's nothing or the hospital bill. Right. Yeah. I can't afford to go to the ER, and this is probably heartburn. Right, yeah. So we get all of those scenarios, but the the bottom line is if it's discomfort that's lasting for over five to ten minutes that has not, and you're breaking out in a sweat and you're feeling tired uh, and you can't move around very much, um, then you need to go Why and Why the pain up the neck or down the arm? So it's the distribution of pain from the heart. Uh, so the the nerve distribution that 
um, that serve these areas. So that, that's why you can get the pain down the arm. Sometimes you can just get pain in the arms, but it depends upon the distribution of the from the the nerve fibers from the heart. Karen, I want to go back to what you said about cost because I think that that's a reality for people, and it's it is really sad that in this country, and this is my one little editorial. It's sad that in this country, people have to worry or make choices about whether or not they seek medical attention for something that's bothering them, and whether or not they feed their family or that you have to factor in how much something might cost when you are in the middle of what may be a mm-hmm. life-threatening situation. I, I think that that is one of the great travesties that exists in our society today, that people have to make those kinds of choices. and that, But that is a reality for many people. Um, that being said, you know, you talk about the cost. ER visits may be expensive. It may be an expensive ride in, you know, an ambulance, but a funeral is expensive too. Yeah. And it's true when you look at it like that. I mean, that. it really, and so, you know, th- but when we're talking about your life and your well being, we're worth that. We are worth it. Um, and if you're, and if you are here, then you can figure out how to pay a bill. But if you're not here, then what does that mean for your family? Well, and if you're with a loved one, you better bet they're going to get you to the hospital. Yeah, and the people right. who love you. And yes, yeah, so for the loved ones who are out there who have a person in the family who is exhibiting the stubborn gene in dominance, drag them kicking and screaming to the, to hospital, the hospital if they have these problems, and especially if they are, are recurrent, um, because it's really important and, and it, it could save your life. And um, this heart disease is real. Um, and it is rampant and it affects people in Mississippi disproportionately to people in other parts of the country. Um, and I, I'm sure that everyone under the sound of my voice has a, a friend or a loved one or someone they know who has been either stricken with cardiovascular disease, who is currently suffering with cardiovascular disease of some sort or who has died from some complication or as a direct result of cardiovascular disease. So, I mean, this is this is it. This is the number one thing that takes people away from here when we're talking about adult men and women. Yeah. And so, so it's a big deal. And there's been some studies recently. It's not just the older people. It's not the 50-year-olds and over, okay? So we're finding that uh, uh, increased prevalence in the 30-year-olds. I have a young man now that's 51. His first heart attack was at 29. And I've been taking care of him the whole time. So you can live with heart disease. Uh, you don't have to die from it as a, at an early age. But the onset is early. I have a family member whose first stroke was in, in his 30s. Yeah. First stroke way, in the was, 30s. Did your, was your patient having a heart attack? Um, actually, that person was having angina. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But, but worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, let me yeah. get the phone number out. Cardiac We're going to take our, our last break of the show. Go ahead and give us a call now if you have a question or a comment. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. I'm awaiting our next heart song to take us into break. Right and before we, the last segment. We shall return in. on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. 
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. What activities does your group have planned this summer? How are you letting others know about them? MPB has a free way to help. Just email us now. It's events at mpbonline.org. We'll put your information on the air. Let listeners around the state know about your upcoming festivals, concerts, or other fun events. Send an email to events at mpbonline.org. We look forward to hearing from you. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-BRING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. The Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. Our special guest is Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens, a cardiologist. Of course, we're talking about your heart, heart disease, keeping your heart healthy, and listening to a hole in your, <laughs> hole in your heart. Um, I wanted to go back to symptoms for a moment. Okay. You said one of the big symptoms is a fullness in your chest, and uh-huh. I can't. I'm having trouble thinking of of what that is. Can you do a comparison of what that feels like? It's not necessarily pain, but just a fullness? Right. So if you have you ever taken a big gulp of water and it didn't sit oh, right? Oh, okay. Oh, yes, and it yes. Just and you can really, feel it really going hurt. really slow right there. Yeah, really, really hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it could be that, or it can come on kind of slowly and feels as if somebody's squeezing you, like really press, pressure on your chest. Versus a pinpoint. It's not like a pinpoint mm-hmm. in one spot. It's a global uh, spread out. Uh, across your of, whole across. chest. It wouldn't be on either side. It and... can be. It can be. But usually it's in the center and spreads out. That's the usual. Um, right but, under your breastbone. Right. Okay. Under mm-hmm. your breastbone. Is there a way or is it? A, is there a possibility that someone could have a heart attack 10 years ago. And not know it. Yes. And not know it. And you'd be able to tell. I mean, can you, is there a way to tell yes. through, through imaging? Through imaging, through EKG. So the EKG can tell us if, uh, if they've had a heart attack or not because of the electrical activity of the heart. Um, and after the EKG, we've now got a lot more modalities like imaging. So an echocardiogram can tell you if that one wall is not moving well. Uh, compared to the other wall. And the heart um, does a a nice thing. Sometimes there are some vessels from the good side that supply the vessels to the where there is a blockage. And so you may have had a heart attack and those vessels get together. They're called collaterals. So that gives blood supply from the good side to the bad side. And so that means that you may have had a little damage and not so much damage in it in your heart muscle may be preserved. So even though you have a lot of blockages, the muscle in itself has not been damaged that much that that's uh can be noted in chronic illness uh, chronic angina 
um, patients that have chronically have chest discomfort. Now, angina is different from from heart pain. I mean, from um, myocardial infarction in that it you, it will go away. Okay, so it comes. You have the same char- character pain, the same pressure. Usually, when you walk or do some work, uh, you're working out in the yard or um, lifting weights or something like that, and the discomfort stops when you stop. So your your heart's uh, sort of resting, and you don't need it that much uh, energy anymore, and so the discomfort may go away. Okay, Angie's calling in from Brandon. Angie, go ahead. Uh, yes, I have not been able to listen to the whole show, but if you covered this, I apologize. But I have uh, pressure right in my sternum, right in my chest, um, early in the morning sometimes. But it, if I find that if I belch or burp, that it will go away. So is that more indigestion than it is a heart problem? So uh, sometimes it's difficult to tell, but that's why we use that, that term heartburn. So mm-hmm. uh, so if you uh, sometimes if you have a reflux or acid into your esophagus, you may feel as if it is uh, a, heart, a heart attack, and it can uh-huh. be difficult to tell. But now if you got up and you start walking around and you start belching and you feel better, doing that, it's less likely that it's from your heart. Okay. So if you that's got up and you Yeah. If you got yeah, up and start walking around, then your heart has got to do more has got to give more blood supply, that discomfort may feel worse if it's from your heart. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And well, if you try something like Tums or something like that and it goes away or gets better, then that kinda also would lead you to believe that it's more related to your GI tract or more reflux mm-hmm. kind of symptoms as opposed to it actually being cardiac in nature. Okay. I feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if you have any of those risk factors, make sure you go and get that checked. Okay. Thank Thanks, you so Andy. Okay. We have uh, we have an email that is very detailed. So, I'm a 59 year old female had an aortic dissection surgically fixed via bypass tubes in groin graft from my hip. This was on May 7th. Thankfully, due to a quick emergency response and a great team of surgeons, survived with no neurological damage, also had spleen removed, and as I cannot eat without pain, my gallbladder will be removed in August. Uh, No other problems. I've researched condition and wanted your expert opinion on life expectancy given lifestyle health practices, understanding there is no real definitive answer. And she says, during hospital stay, found I had elevated blood pressure, taking meds for that, have been taking meds for elevated genetic cholesterol, have paternal uh, history of heart, BP, cholesterol issues. Okay, so she had an aortic dissection, and um, the most common cause in this country is from hypertensive disease. She may have had, you may have had hypertension that was unnoticed, but then you need to make sure that you don't have some other illnesses as well, such as Morfan syndrome uh, that usually occur in, in uh, is a genetic. Uh, problem uh, occur in tall people, not all tall people, but when there's a the height is is disproportionate to the rest of your family members. So I'm not sure if that's you or not. But like I said, hypertension is the most common cause in this country. Uh, looks like you did a great job with uh, getting back on your feet and uh, having some other. I'm not sure why you had a splenectomy, um, and uh, or or not. I'm I'm not sure why that happened. 
But um, I think your life expectancy is still dependent upon um, you take you taking your right medicines, your blood pressure control, and your um, lipid control. If you control those variables, uh, you have a pretty good life expectancy. Certainly not the same as a a fifty year old without without atherosclerotic disease, though. Okay. Awesome. Patty, I hope that answers your yeah. question. You can call in if you have anything else uh, to ask us about that. I can see why she wrote it down, though, yeah, because that's, that's actually quite a bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. But it helps to kind of walk through it. Um, so one question that I had um, that I think might be helpful, we talk a lot about prevention. You've talked about risk factors, and we've even had someone call in to talk about modification of risk factors and how that can have a positive impact on even a diagnosis. Um, but what are, what are if there's a screening, we talk a lot about screening tests here right. on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are there any reliable screening tests for cardiovascular disease and then I'm going to throw in what about for the people who might have heard about that calcium CT scan right Um, and it's a reliable coronary calcium score is a reliable screening test if there if there are any um, calcium deposits that means you have atherosclerosis Uh, the calcium just means that there has been some injury to the vessels and then they um, heal and the healing process is calcium now whether you have significant disease that's a different story so there's a variability of uh, scores if your score is between one and a hundred that means you got you know a little bit of calcium doesn't mean that you don't have that that um, some of that plaque may be thicker than what we think because we can't see um, some a plaque that's not latent with calcium. So it does not exclude um, very narrow, soft plaque. It just tells us if you have hard plaque. Okay. Um, but the coronary calcium score is, is a pretty good screening test. We don't use it for everybody. Say if you're at high risk anyway, you have hypertension, diabetes, Uh, and you're having angina, there's no reason to do a screening test. So who are the people that you would want to screen? Like, because this is, this technology hasn't always been used in this way. So who are the people that, you know, should get this? Or who would you recommend getting? So the patients that I usually get it on are usually the patients that have hyperlipidemia and nothing else. And they're wondering, do I really have heart disease? My father passed, my mother Do I have the disease? No, it's hyperlipidemia. Uh, high cholesterol levels. And sometimes they don't want to make any changes. For the, uh, They don't want to take any medicines. They just want to change their diet, which is fine. But uh, if you have a certain level of, hyper, of high cholesterol, you need to take medications. Not just diet will, alone will do it. Um, we've had runners, we've had all kinds of people trying to get that level way down and it just won't, it, it'll come down with diet, but it won't come down to normal if it's high enough. So the patients with hyperlipidemia without many other risk factors, uh, the coronary calcium score is a great tool to help them to, to decide whether they have the disease or not. Why are some heart attacks what they call widow makers? Mm-hmm. You know, that someone literally drops dead. Right. So it depends upon where the blockage is. So if the blockage is taking uh, a a large area, uh, decreasing the blood flow to a large area, then the widow means that that person can die right then. 
That's what we, they call the widow maker. So if, if it's real proximal, very, very high up in the tree of the coronary artery system, uh, then that person can die suddenly. And would that be something that can be prevented if, oh. if it was found in advance? Oh, yeah, okay. it can, yeah. I mean, uh, this is a part of uh, preventive medicine is if they can find out early, know early, and take those uh, statins and, and other medications early on, get the blood pressure under control. Dr. Myrna Alexander-Nickens, thank you so much for coming oh, in you, today. Great and show. Thank you, Michelle. It's this was good fun. to have you here. Okay. Always. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. It is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show is engineered by Jay White, also our music maker. Our call screener, Michelle McAdoo. For Dr. Michelle Owens, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.